you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. Formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, and formerly of many a Cleveland sports blog. I want to thank you for making Locked on Indians your first listen. Uh, remember that it is free and available on all podcast platforms and available in China. Uh, I'm just going to continue to bring it up because it amuses me. Uh, again, we were trending upwards. We're getting close to cracking the top 100 in the United States for baseball podcasts as well, but fourth in China, and we're actually down. We were third in China. Now we're down to four. Uh, so thank you to all of uh, the new listeners. Today's show. Uh, when I was digging into Ray Fossey yesterday, I you know I love to follow trades. If you listen to the show, you know I just go down the wormhole and I start clicking and clicking and clicking, seeing where they go. And this is not something new. I remember like tracking um, how Mark Price turned into Andre Miller, I believe, uh, if if I did it right, because it was like Price was traded for the pick that turned into. Uh, Vitaly Potapico, and then eventually Potapico got traded for the pick that turned into Andre Miller. So then eventually, though, it dead ended with Mark Price turning into Darius Miles. Uh, there was something similar with Brad Doherty, but it didn't go as deep. Uh, this is just a long way of me saying I have always, across all sports, loved to track trades. It is uh, just built into my DNA. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I feel like my dad kind of likes it as well. There's also that degree of as a kid growing up, he would always be like, okay, how did they get him? Where did that guy come from? And I also feel like that's why, like, there was a time around 2005 where I knew every player in the NFL, and I, I could tell you almost without fail what college they came from. Uh, my memory was better then. You know, that was that was a long time ago. But I just remember sitting there doing, like, a fantasy draft with my buddies as we were playing Madden. Uh, that was, like, the, the year they had the cone feature, and uh, I was awful, and I hated it. Uh, I also remember drafting Byron Left Byron Leftwich because uh, I was just like a dyed in the wool Mac guy. Even though I didn't go to a Mac school, I went to Ohio State. But you know, my grandfather was part of the alumni association at Akron, and I grew up on that campus, uh, so I always appreciated uh, those Mac players. But I would sit there and just name all of them, and it was it was you know I just remember my roommates post college looking at me, borderline frightened by that. But because of that, uh, to this day. I dig deep when it comes to things uh, like trades, and I couldn't just stop. I was like, okay, there's so much to talk with Bray Fossey is, of course, you know, I ended up talking with my dad last night, by the way, both about uh, Fossey's passing and about uh, George Hendrick, who we're going to talk about in segment two of the show here. But, you know, I I was asking him for more information on all of this because it's like, you know, hearing about Fossey, I always heard about him through my father. you know, there's still a for one of the first things he mentioned when I'm sitting there texting him on Facebook messaging him. It's like, ah, Pete Rose. Like, he's still mad about that. Uh, so, I was getting that type of information. It's fun. You know, it's nice to hear from a, another generation. Uh, my father runs deep and long with the team. So, yeah, as uh, you know, when I was talking with him, I, I had already gone and done the thing where I was like, okay, let's look at what they got when they traded away Ray Fossey. Like, at that point in time, he was a borderline backup. They got Dave Duncan, uh, I believe, was the other part in that deal, just to be another catcher for them. He actually ended up being a starter. And then George Hendrick, who, man, when you dive into him as a person, 
one of the most fascinating baseball players I have ever read. Uh, we're going to go deep in segment two. I mean, <laughs> advocate for women changed, uh, you know, some fashion, did something that no one else had ever done. Uh, also, very clearly a victim of racism. I mean, there's just no other way around it. You could dig in the story. It's hard to not look at the fringes and, and see that aspect of it as well. But it's it's all there, and it is interesting. There's so much to talk about in him as a player. And like I said, we're going to get into that in segment two. Segment three is going to be some mailbag. But first, let's just take a second and talk about the news and also give you the sleeper. We're going to do that early in the show today, the sleeper prospect. I promised I would bring up this player with uh, Arizona that I teased way back when I was going to do this segment before yesterday's show ran so long. But uh, so we have right now the NLDS is tied at one to one. If the Dodgers win, every single team I uh, rooted for in the postseason will have lost. There'll be four division series games, two wild cards. That's impressive. <laughs> I feel like that uh, there is that many uh, to lose, get them all wrong. Every single team, this isn't necessarily predictions. This is just. Uh, who I wanted to see win those matchups, every single one is lost. Uh, man, can we, uh, no matter what, at this point in time, I'm rooting for the National League. Uh, the, the American League is just a torched wasteland for me. Uh, and Boston is Boston. No offense to any Boston fans, but it's you know there's there was just too much Boston for me. Around that same time, I was talking about the Madden League, like '05 and later, uh, where I just I can't come back from that. That was. A, uh, I don't know if I want to say frustrating, but it was a time where you really got uh, annoyed at the complaining of Boston fans, specifically before they won the World Series, when you're like, you've won everything else, every other sports championship during this time, uh, and now you're, uh, eventually they got that win as well. And then not to mention the, you know, if the Indians get past Boston in 07, Colorado in the World Series, oh, I mean, of all of them, that feels like, Maybe the biggest miss uh, for a Indians franchise chance at a championship in my lifetime, at least. And that's counting two Game 7 World Series. Uh, so, yeah, it's I, I can't. And then Houston is Houston. I'm sorry. I can't I can't get past it. That's that's my long and short for the postseason. And then we at least have to talk about the fact that, you know, the uh, the Cardinals fired their manager who's been in the organization for 20 years and led them to the postseason, led them on a great second half because of organizational differences. I'll be very cu- curious to see who pounces. Listen, we know it's not going to be the Indians, but the Mets, who are sitting there and seem you know like they're going to, they've been name hunting, it feels like. And then there's the Padres, where you have to feel like they want to go out and get someone who has some proven uh, bona fides after the mess that was Chase Tingler this year. Uh, I'm going to be very curious to see. It is definitely something I have no idea how it's going to play out, but I'm curious to see how it does play out uh, with that. But yeah, I mean, was anyone else as shocked as I was? Like, I looked at that news, I'm like, what? Um, And then I I just want to, again, point out, I know I talk about Zach Meisel all the time on here, and that is because that's who I read. I think he's doing as well as anyone. So I go and I look at his stuff. You know, uh, I talked about the possibility of Wilson Contreras steal a few times this week. I agree with Zach. And then, was it Quincy? I think it might have been Quint. No, I should probably check and give correct credit, credit, credation. I think inevitably they're going to not bring back. What they're going to do is not exercise this 
Perk's contract and then uh, bring him back at a, a massive discount. No, that was DB Sice, uh, you know, uh, Andy Dubois. It's it's of late. It, uh, I haven't heard as much from Andy's still there. I hear from Andy. Not quite as much as we uh, once were. I think he's given up on me as a pronunciation, ever getting those correctly. But that's who it was. He said that, and I 100% agree with that. Uh, I think that they're likely going to end up with the same catcher combination. Uh, and then at some point, we will see La Vestita next year. I just don't know when. You know, they're getting him ready at about a half a dozen positions, it feels like. We'll just have to kind of wait and see when he gets up, where they play him, how they're going to go through and do that. So at this point in time, like, who are you rooting for? Uh, the team who's left. Let me know on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Uh, I'm curious to see who is left on the board, who is of interest, who is of note, uh, who do you dislike the least. Uh it's it's not uh, it's not exactly an exciting grouping I think for most of us it's a lot of the haves and uh, it's just not fun uh, the teams that you could feel comfortable rooting for are kind of gone so I don't know what we do as Indians fans uh, I just know that uh, man it's gonna be an ugly postseason we're gonna take that commercial break now come back and talk about George Hendricks uh, Hendrick not Hendricks Hendrick a player you should know. And a player who, like, again, I went and I messaged my dad to get info on him. I went and I was like, hey, Pat, I know you look at old retired players at points in time. Uh, you know, this is a guy you have to look at. And, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about all of that in a moment. Our first sponsor is Built Bar. I had two orange Built Bars for lunch today. Let's see if they still have some of those fantastic puffs left. Strawberry puffs are still there. Uh, churro puffs are gone. Uh, that's that is sad for someone like myself nearing the end. You can get strawberry puffs, cherry lime, and Rocky Road is back, uh, which is a good flavor. That is a solid one. Not my favorite. I think I liked the fudge grasshopper, and then I like the puffs better. I I'm not always the biggest fan of strawberry, artificial strawberry. Uh, and again, it, it's nothing taste artificial with their product. This is just a personal thing, me thing. I, the berries aren't always my favorite. But I can tell you, Sully over at the Lockdown MLB flagship, his favorite is the raspberry. That's my least favorite. What's great about this product is it is so good that you can have that argument. It's not one of those things where we all know, like, oh, avoid this one. It, it just comes down to your personal tastes. You're going to find something you like. You're going to enjoy it. And it's so good for you. It's healthy for you. I had to go do a biometric screening today for work because it's part of the insurance. Uh, I was down from this summer five pounds. Yeah, part of that's diet and exercise, but part of it is also just every morning I have my built bar, at lunch I have my built bar, I'm eating less because it is filling me up. Now that may not work for everyone, but it is working for me right now. And when you go to builtbar.com, do what I do. Use the promo code LOCKED15, and that's going to save you 15% off your order. Uh, it's a fantastic deal on a fantastic product. Like I said, this isn't just a product that, you know, they send me free things and that, you know, pay for advertising. Yeah, paying for advertising always makes me someone who uh, likes you, but I, I buy their product. I spend my own money. I go out and I buy Built Bars for a reason. It's delicious. It's healthy. It's going to make you feel better. So George Hendrick is a, like I said, he's a fascinating player. The Indians acquired him like in that Fosse deal, and he came in in 73 at the age of 23 years of age. Uh, he had played in Oakland for 42 and 58 games, and frankly, he hadn't been very good in a platoon role. He did not uh, excel at age 21 and 22 in those roles. 
He didn't have a great place to play for them, so the Indians acquired him. Uh, he had been their first overall pick in the 1968 January draft regular phase. So he was picked in 68, uh, made to the big leagues by 71. There was a great over on the Sabre article on him, which I highly recommend. I tweeted it out that Whitey Herzog, who was the Mets uh, scout at the time, was like, we saw George in Sandlot games and Watts. That's where he got scouted, Sandlot games and Watts. Uh, and if he hadn't gotten one, they were going to take him. Uh, there's more stuff I'm going to pull from this article. Also, you know, he played in Burlington, which we know the Indians had a minor league affiliate later on in Burlington, which is, you know, kind of a fun little bonus nugget, uh, as it were. But, uh, yeah, so he comes to the Indians, and this means in 73 is his first full season, uh, and he he plays 113 games, 473 plate appearances, 268 batting, 308 on base, 452 slugging, 760 OPS, and you're like, that doesn't seem that good. Well, yeah, nowadays, this is the early 70s. That was a 111 OPS plus. Next year in Cleveland, he had a 120 OPS plus, then a 107 OPS plus, then a 127 OPS plus. Uh, before the 77 season, he gets traded to San Diego for trash. Uh, I mean, literally three backups. Uh, it was a pretty awful trade. And he has a 145 OPS plus, uh, 311 batting, 381 on, on base, 4, 492 slugging. This is a player who had 21, 19, 24, 25 home runs per year. Again, those are good for that era of baseball. Center fielder, doing all of that, all-star in 74 and 75 at 24 and 25 years of age. And then if you remember him, I mean, he his probably most famous runs were, was, was once he got to San Diego, or San Diego, once he got to St. Louis in 78, and he was there from 78 until 84, uh, multiple-time all-star there as well. And yeah, he just, he bounced around and we'll get into some of the, the in-depth great facts on him. Played 18 years in the big leagues as a outfielder or a first baseman. He is still in baseball. He was a coach for the, uh, the Rays and now he's part of the front office. And let's talk about some of the things, uh, that stood out here. Angels beat reporter. This is at the end of his career, by the way, Angel, the angels were like his, he was, he was essentially just a backup. By that point in time, Lisa Newhouse-Saxon, who was one of the first women to cover an MLB team, said that Hendrick protected her from Reggie Jackson's constant harassment and verbal abuse. So, protecting women. Uh, he was the first major league player to wear his pant legs down to his ankles. That is also like just a fun, interesting fact. Uh, he was the first major league player to hit, a home, uh, hit 100 home runs in both the AL and the NL. That hadn't happened before. He had 267 for his career, but he had 100 uh, with the AL, 100 for the NL. He did get traded a bunch, which in an 18-year career happens. Uh, you know, I mentioned that he's now a senior advisor for the Rays. He was a first base coach for them. Before that, he was with the Dodgers and the Angels and the Cardinals, a hitting coach uh, at times, and then a you know hitting instructor. And now he is a special advisor to baseball. So he's obviously he uh, to coach that consistently from 93 to now, even though he's 71 years of age, uh, speaks to his work ethic, which is interesting because the his names were jo- nicknames were Jog and George and Captain Easy because of a reputation for not running out plays. He definitely had this whole reputation as someone who did not hustle. Uh, he was also known as Silent George because he didn't trust or like to talk to the media. 
and some people, though, you know, I read some stuff out there saying that uh, that it was a good thing because he, you know, at the time, a lot of players ran their mouths too much. Uh, but yeah, he, New York Yankees coach Elston Howard, said he's a real dog. You can see the way he played against us, half trying. What a shame. Uh, like that's that's one of those statements. You know, it's from another person of color running down someone. But this was especially during that era. Um, and I mean, even in, I'm 40, in my childhood, and we've talked about in recent years, the whole idea of we're not that far removed from there being different, I mean, there's still different scouting terms for different peoples. And you wouldn't hear the lack of hustle titles being put on uh, more, it's more, very rarely, I can't think of a, of a, a a white person who got that title. And when I look at someone like George uh, Hendrick, he was clearly talented. And sometimes I also wonder when you're that good of an athlete, if it, you're making it look easy. Um, you know, in the Sabre article, they talked about Gaylord Perry. Uh, you know, a ball went over Hendrick's head and he looked too nonchalant while trying to get it. And Gaylord Perry said, I never want that son of a bee in center field when I pitch again. Uh, you know, it's, there is all of that. And, and he did wear out his welcome at points in time, uh, in, in Cleveland here. Um, it, part of the problem, it, it is interesting. He would go to San Diego and in San Diego, he was there with Oscar Gamble, who he's with in Cleveland. They went over in separate trades. Uh, and I think Charlie Spinks also ended up on that San Diego team. Uh, Cleveland was starting to transition their outfield. Rick Manning was the new young, hot outfielder. They wanted him in center field. Hendricks wanted to play center field. So there was a little bit more to it, but it doesn't change the fact that when you go and you look at those teams in the 70s, uh, why do I not my tab? Here we go. So 73, he was the was he, he was the second best hitter on the team to Oscar Gamble, who's the DH in terms of OPS plus and just general OPS. Uh, you still had Chris Chambliss in town. You still had Buddy Bell. You had Spinks out there, who was at least about league average. Dave Duncan was actually pretty solid in that first year coming over. There was only 95 games. John Ellis actually played in more games for the Indians that year, and he wasn't bad as a catcher. They had some parts and pieces in 73. The pitching was terrible. That was his first season. 74, this is the first all-star year for uh, for Hendricks. Oscar Gamble is still really performing well for them. He had the highest OPS+. plus. Spinks has probably his best year that year. Spinks. I keep saying Spinks when I mean to say Spikes. I apologize. I know that's going to drive people nuts. But you got Spikes out there. Ellis is a first baseman now, and he is performing well at 25 years of age. They've got some players on the offense, and Buddy Bell is still in town. Uh, Duncan is okay as a catcher, but the the bigger problem is they had, you know, there's Gaylord Perry and Jim Perry, and then not much else. I did have to do a double take when I saw Steve Klein, just because I remember the former Indians farmhand who went on to have a long career as a reliever. Uh, Jim Kern was starting to come around, I believe, at this time. They had not made their trade with the Rangers, and I'm kind of blanking that. I know they got a decent player in the Rangers trade, and I know there's someone screaming at me right now because I forgot that. Uh, and then you go to the 75 team where you know it, Oscar Gamble is still hitting. You got Hendricks, you got Spikes. Now this is Hendricks' down year. Boog Powell has a huge year for them at first base uh, relative to the league. And then, you know, Manning is okay in his first debut. 
And this is, I believe, when they go out and acquire Frank Robinson, who's basically done for. Like, he's just there for the very end. And then Rico Cardi, another older player they bring in. Is this the year they tried to make? I'm trying to remember what year they actually tried to make, like, a late run. I mean, the problem is it's, like, they're sixth, they're fourth, they're fourth, and they're, like, under 500 every year. Uh, 76, they, Frank Robinson is a manager. They still finish fourth, but at least they're over 500. Uh, Manning is an everyday center fielder. Uh, Hendrick moves to the left field. They still have Spikes. They still have Cardi. Uh, Cardi is good. Manning is good. Hendrick is good. Buddy Bell has a nice rebound year. Ray Fossey is back in town, and he's actually pretty solid. Boog Powell uh, meets his age, and LeVar Blanks uh, is a solid backup type. Through this whole thing, uh, pitching has actually improved. Dobson isn't bad that year. Dennis Eckersley makes his debut. Jim Bibb is okay. Kern has that fantastic season. They had some horses. Unfortunately, uh, it didn't come together. And you know, as we mentioned, they, they trade Hendricks away. Hendrick. Hendrick away for three backup types. And that's, that's just one of those killers. They got him, and he was a steal, a multi-time all-star. And then they trade him away for backup types. And Oscar Gamble would eventually end up in San Diego with him. Talked about how he was multiple times in there, uh, the top player for the Cleveland Indians in terms of OPS+. Pat Dobson, who pitched well that first year for them, is who they traded to get him. Problem is, Pat Dobson was already 34 years of age. Uh, They got him. He has a solid age 34 year. His age 35 year is trash, and then he's out of baseball. One of those odd, odd deals. Like, let's go trade for the old pitcher who has been a... 4-5 type to go be our ace and let's at the time trade away our most dangerous hitter who is 25 years of age like can you imagine a team making that trade nowadays Uh, if you're curious out there I know we're talking George Hendrick we'll have to do a whole show on Oscar Gamble at some point in time Uh, I mean the two's careers in Cleveland completely overlapped and then their careers in San Diego overlapped but they got Oscar Gamble from Philly and he had already been traded by the Cubs to Philadelphia and his three years in Cleveland, a 120, a 140, a 131 OPS plus worst OPS. He had was a 793. Uh, he was a productive player. So of course they shipped him out of town. Ah, uh, I mean, those seventies teams were just, they love to make trades. Very few of them turned out well. And I have that appreciation for such things again from my father who, uh, what he'll turn 69 this year. So he got to experience all of the joy of the 70 squads. We're going to come back, take a few mailbag questions, and then look at who is another sleeper prospect for the Indians to consider. But first, another commercial break. BetOnline.ag has you covered. Let's go see what deals or specials they are currently running over at BetOnline.ag. Remember, our deal and special with them is using the promo code LOCKEDON to get a 5-0-50% bonus on your first deposit. Go check it out for yourself. Uh, you know, sports, live betting, casino, racebook, poker, esports, contest, promos. Let's go see what the casino looks like. Uh, they even have casino promotions occurring right now. Uh, you can do multi-hand blackjack. I see something. Roulette. Craps. Another type of blackjack. All these type of flash things for slots and the like. If this is your thing, go play blackjack. Go play poker. You can play it all over at betonline.ag. Remember the promo code locked on because that's going to get you a 5050% bonus. That is betonline.ag, official sports partner for us and all things 
uh, of the like of being an online sports book. Actually, before we dive into all of that, I want to thank you again for making Locked On Indians your first listen every day. Uh, remind you, check out, I talked about slightly earlier, go check out the Locked On MLB pot, um, pot, no, flagship station. Wow, it's late. I'm sorry. I did quickly want to mention, so George Hendricks was in that weird time where he had a 1968 draft regular phase. The Indians actually had the fifth overall pick that year and drafted Lambert Ford uh, of players taken in the top nine. He was the only one who did not sign. He would then, and this is the oddness of this, okay? So in 68, he gets drafted in the January draft regular phase, first round from Vineland High School. Then that June, he gets taken in the June draft by the Houston Astros in the fifth round. So I don't even know how those things work. Uh, He would get up to double A with the White Sox and then go down to Mexico and play for a while. Uh, It did not work out for Lambert Ford. A, I assume at 5'9", an infielder? Uh, no, he was an outfielder. See, I'm wrong right there. George Hendrick was a great player. Did not have the highest war in that first round. Mickey Rivers, who did not sign, was taken by the White Sox. Uh, he would eventually get drafted by the White Sox later that year. So they attempted to take him in the... Okay, nope, this is wrong. So he gets drafted many a time. This is why it's weird back then. Then he's an eighth-round pick in the June draft, doesn't sign with the Washington Senators. Then he gets taken in the January draft again in the first round, this time eighth overall by the Atlanta Braves. And then 69, he gets taken in the June draft in the second round by the Atlanta Braves, and this time he signs. Uh, he'd go on to have a 32.7 war, make one all-star team, just a uh, consistent 15-year career. Uh, other players of note who were drafted and signed, Gary Maddox, Center fielder who uh, played for the Phillies primarily. Very, very strong defender based on the number of gold gloves and the nickname the Secretary of Defense, which, by the way, awesome nickname. And then the highest war I saw of any player who's drafted in this class was George Foster, who I was, again, not super familiar with because of eras. I know there's people out there being like, how can you not know him? Dude hit 52 home runs in 1977 and won the MVP. I and seeing this now, I'm like, oh, I remember reading about how George Foster is one of those guys that was, uh, should have been more well-known. He hit 40 with the Reds in 78. He was very good with the Reds. He was drafted by San Francisco, didn't get a lot of opportunities, and then at age 25, he you know, debuts in a solid. Uh, then at age 26 through like 32, he is awesome. So George Foster, best player from that class. Uh, it was a good year to get the Georges. And just for humor's sake, we talked about that the Mets wanted to get George Hendrick, but uh, he was drafted first overall. They instead got George Kazmarek, another George who would get up to AAA, uh, but uh, did not get up to the big league. So the draft of the George, I'm going to declare it to, again, George Hendrick. I'm doing very quick going through and talking about it. I think I really highly recommend this. If you type George Hendrick, You'll find that Sabre article, and they go really in-depth, and it is totally worth your time. He is, you know, I glossed over it, but again, you know, defending women, changing fashion, doing something in terms of home run hitting across leagues that had never been done before. So the sleeper I wanted to talk about, and the one I kind of hinted around at but did not get a chance to talk about, was Drew Ellis. Now, Drew Ellis, one can make a case uh, that me being a Drew Ellis supporter is good for me because I was a big fan of his when he came out of Louisville. I thought he was a fantastic draft pick. I gave him a first round grade. Uh, There is some J.D. Davis vibes in terms of just what has happened and not being a great defender, but always having some power potential. 
I went through his data, and it's like his worst runs created plus was a 105. Yeah, he was a guy who played a little bit in Arizona this year and was not great in those 28 games, 83 plate appearances. But before that, I mean, he's walking. We talked about looking for that over 10% mark. A runs created plus a 145, success in double-A and triple-A uh, in complete seasons at each. The 2019 season in double-A was solid, and then he took a step forward this year. Uh, while playing in AAA for Arizona. Bad third baseman uh, in college, and he uh, in AA was playing still mostly third base, also had a few games at first and second. Uh, that is kind of where you run into the issue, where if you're going to consider a, a Drew Ellis as an under-the-radar get for a team like the Indians, where does he play? Because third base is it's the one thing that we most definitely do not need, uh, between Nolan Jones as a top prospect, and of course Jose Ramirez, who, I mean, one can make an argument is the at, okay, he's at least a top three third baseman. I'm not going to get myself in trouble. We're going to say that, but Ellis hits those standards in terms of just his runs created plus this past year. He had the 15th best of any hitter in the upper minors. Uh, you know, we talked briefly about Mark Venidos. We talked about you know Cooper Hummel, who had the ninth best. Uh, Khalil Lee, we mentioned, of course, and the earlier one who had the second best. You know, we're going to eventually talk about um, some of these other players, uh, including a 30-year-old. There is one exception in terms of an older player. I also can't help but look at Alec Thomas sitting there at the 14th best, another Arizona Diamondback, who I thought was ticketed to the Indians. I thought Alec Thomas was going to the Indians. He fit everything in terms of what they look for, in terms of age, bloodlines, cold weather, uh, being a left-handed bat, being an extreme athlete. I thought he was their perfect guy, and I had inside information. The exact quote from a source I trusted was, uh, the Indians certainly like him. I can't see him getting past them. And then he did. Uh, (laughs) He definitely got past the Indians because he fell all the way to the second round. Uh, I had a, I think I had him in the top 20. Uh, if you're curious, that is the year the Indians took Bo Naylor, then they drafted Ethan Hankins, and then they drafted Lenny Torres, all instead of Alec Thomas. And needless to say now, uh, Alec Thomas is a higher rate of prospect than all of those players. And I don't think you could probably trade those three for Alec Thomas right now. Like Alec Thomas, uh, he cost $1.2 million. You know, His dad is a He's the trainer for the White Sox. That's the bloodline. So he was always in excellent shape. He was he was undersized as well. I had a good lead on him. I thought, but the Indians. I should know. Any good lead is a bad lead because the Indians don't let anything get out. Yeah, he was the twentieth pick, sixty third player overall to the Diamondbacks. The Indians passed on him three times. I'm just kind of curious to look at the price tag on this before we get into the mailbag. Uh, Hankins got almost a million more. Torres got a hundred thousand more. Bo Naylor got uh, got over twice as much. So even if they, if they had taken Alec Thomas, they would have saved a significant amount of money over any of the players they drafted. And, and even if you're like, okay, you go for the athletic catcher with bloodlines, that's fine. I I'm gonna pause for a second. I'm pretty sure I took him in my redraft. Let's see. Oh, okay, so this is an odd one. So I, I found my article. First off, it was labeled the 2019 Shadow Draft, which apparently I, I don't know why. I'm gonna relabel it now to 2018. And I, I take Xavier Edwards over Bo Naylor. One can debate that pick. I kept Ethan uh, Hankins pick, 
but I don't know why at pick 41 I went Joe Gray Jr. Um, I mean, I like Joe Gray Jr., but he was 40th on my final big board, and Alec Thomas was 25th. Uh, it's nonsensical. Let's, let's be honest there, especially because Joe Gray Jr. only saves an additional $100,000 which I assume I wanted that extra money for some reason that I can't think about now or I don't remember because I wrote this a long time ago. Uh, you know, I'll get into this whole one later. Uh, I talk about more in depth. I'm kind of curious to see uh, some of the other players that I went out to uh, out of my way to add, uh, you know, and, and talk about the differences in these draft classes. But yeah, I, I had Alec Thomas quite high, but for some reason I didn't draft him. Uh, again, as for Drew Ellis, sleeper, good runs created plus, already on a big league roster, good walk rate. I just, I don't know if he's an ideal fit for the Indians. He's an interesting sleeper, though, has some J.D. Davis vibes to him. I'll put it that way. Ivan Jeff Ellis has been locked in Indians podcast this week. We're going to roll the mailbag over. I didn't get enough questions to next week, so send those in. I need questions. It helps to have a mailbag every week, just especially in the offseason, chance to take and answer questions. Uh, again, thank you for making Locked on Indians your first listen. It is the number four podcast in China, number 112 in the United States. So uh, right now, China's winning. Do what you can to help beat China. Uh, thank you again. And as we say now, go Guardians, go.